Hello and welcome back to Soul Trader, the holistic approach to freelancing. Today's episode, we're talking about getting enough sleep and being honest about how much we need. So it's now episode two of this podcast. If you listened to last week's and you've come back, thank you so much. If you're new around here, then hello. We're talking about all things living our best freelance life. So that is staying as healthy as possible and keeping our physical and mental health at the top of our minds so that we can be as productive and energetic in our careers as we possibly can. So I hope you stick around. I'm recording this episode before the first one even comes out. So I'm guessing that the people who are going to listen to this are my mum, my fiancé Tim and my best friend. So you three are just the best. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. So today I'm having a classic working from home day. All I've got in the diary is one student later and a Skype call this evening. So it's really up to me to sort of schedule the day in the way that I think is going to work best. Um, I even did some pyjama practice this morning, which I know is a little bit naughty of me. Um, And I'll chat more about it later because it is relevant to today's topic. So you'll be thrilled to know that I have now actually got dressed out of my pyjamas. Although it's a day for the clothes I know we all have. You know, the ones that aren't pyjamas, but they're so comfy they might as well be. Um, Do tell me I'm not the only one with clothes like that. You know, just a hoodie and um, I have these like Buddha pants. You know, those big baggy yoga trousers that are just so comfortable. It's like a dream when you wear them. So I've had three coffees already this morning. So I thought that now's a great time to hop on here and record the second episode for you guys. When this podcast comes out, I'll actually be, just hang on, let me check my calendar. When this podcast comes out, I'll be preparing for an evening concert that my quartet are playing down in Dorridge near Solihull. I mentioned this last week, but I'm in a harp quartet. We're called Clouds Harp Quartet and we're going on tour. Um, Starting from, well, from when I'm recording this, we're going next week, (laughs) but I'll already be on tour when you hear this. So last week was our pilot episode and I was chatting about just doing one thing at a time. So let me know, did you try that? Um, how did you get on? Did you, did you think about it as you were working away last week? Let me, let me know. Let me know how you got on. Um, you can let me know on Twitter and you can find me under the handle at Harpist Angelina. I would love to hear from you. I'll be so surprised if anyone gets in touch. Um, But please do because, you know, I love surprises. I've been thinking about a good topic for us to really jump into during this episode. Something a lot of us maybe struggle with and something we all need to do every day. Something that recharges our physical and mental batteries and provides us with total rest. It makes a strong foundation to any productive day. And of course, I'm talking about good quality sleep. At this point, I think it's important to preface this podcast by saying that I do not have children. 
I have no idea how mums do what they do, and as far as I'm concerned, anyone who has raised another human being is a hero. I salute you. I realise that children affect sleep a lot, so something to bear in mind today is that I'm coming at you from a childless perspective, okay? Um, yeah. I want to preface this podcast, I know there's a lot of prefaces today, I want to preface this podcast by saying that I'm not a medical professional. These are just a few tips that I've picked up while learning about ways to improve sleep. Um, I'm someone who likes to research things and see if I'm sort of getting the best bang for my buck uh, in terms of making the most of my time and staying as healthy as I can, which is one of the reasons I started this podcast. So there we go. Let's let's dive right into it. I have never been a morning person. I remember even back when I was at school, my parents just had the toughest job getting me out of bed to start getting ready. I just loved sleep, and I still do, by the way. But aside from those early years, I've been through some ups and downs with my sleep. I remember the bed in Hume in Manchester where the slats would fall out in the middle of the night. Or I would hear drunk partygoers stumble past my bedroom window at all hours because I had a ground floor flat that I was renting and it was on quite a busy road uh, towards the centre of Manchester. So there were just people all the time and street lights and uh, not conducive to good sleep. I remember the uh, maybe rather cheap bed in the house I rented in Chalton, Manchester. And the office blinds that let all the light through. And the street light that always seemed to shine right in my eye. Again, not great. Um, I was yet to learn at that stage just how important our sleeping environment is for having decent quality sleep. No wonder I was tired and anxious most of the time. Probably the best sleeping environment I've had in my adult life so far was last year when my fiancé Tim and I were living with his parents in Congleton in Cheshire. Not only was the bed wonderfully comfortable, the curtains were blackout, and we were right in the middle of the countryside, so it was completely dark and completely quiet, and it was absolute bliss. Now, I know we don't all have that sleeping environment. I certainly don't anymore, now that I've moved to York. Um, but we need to know how to make our sleeping environment as conducive to good quality sleep as possible, even though it may not be completely perfect. We'll do what we can with what we have and see if we notice an improvement. Mercifully, I seem to be in a good place now. Uh, as I say, I've moved to York and the bed is comfy. I've got blackout blinds. Actually, I need to talk about these blinds because it is relevant. So when we moved into this house, um, at the start of the year, the curtains, well, the general decoration of the house is, um, how do I put this? It's not to my taste. It's kind of very pink and floral and, um, yeah, well, we will be updating it when we've got some cash. Uh, but the curtains in our bedroom were just, just awful. These horrible, like old fashioned lace neck curtains, um, which I threw away almost immediately. And then these like light brown kind of lacy curtains, which not only were 
again, not to my taste. I found them, uh, I hated them. Let's, let's be real. I hated them. And the, they didn't stay on the rack, on the curtain rail either. They, the curtain hooks would all fall off and it, it was just this massive ordeal to open and close the curtains. <laughs> um, so I took great pleasure in ripping them down. And by ripping them down, I mean, you know, carefully unscrewing the curtain rail and bringing it all down and uh, doing it all properly. Um, but then, of course, we're left with bedroom windows with nothing on them. So for a cheap alternative to curtains until we get properly redecorated, I found these paper, um, paper concertina blinds from Amazon and they are blackout. And our bedroom is like the whole width of the house. So the window is the whole length of the room. So there's a lot of window, which is lovely. I love having all the natural light come in, but it means it's a lot of area to cover for blinds. But you get, you got, I think I got six in the box and you just cut them to the right size and they come with clips and an adhesive strip. So you literally just stick them on the top of the window frame and clip them up during the day and then kind of let them hang down at night. And that whole thing was maybe £25. And I just think that's totally justified in having... They look all right. Obviously, it's not like the finished product in how our bedroom's going to look. But they block out most of the light and they're super easy. They're going to be easy to take down when we decorate. And they were really reasonably priced. So the only reason why for me they aren't totally blackout is that I left some small gaps between each blind as I was sticking them up. But um, I was a newbie, so I'm going to forgive myself for that. Um, I do like waking up to the natural light, so it's probably for the best that it's not totally blackout. Otherwise, I would sleep forever. Let's just be real. Um, so what we can take from this is that you want your bedroom to be as dark as possible to help you sleep. So if you have any electrical gadgets with a little, one of those little LEDs, um, just try and get it out of there. Um, or if you really need it in there, maybe tape over the light. Um, I get really distracted if I'm in a hotel and there's like a flashing red light on the alarm. That really annoys me. Um, so try and tape over anything like that. If you've got a TV or a laptop in your room and you're struggling to sleep and want to change things, I would say get the TV out of your room as a top priority. Um, obviously, if you're sleeping fine, then don't worry about it, but it's going to improve your sleep a lot if you're struggling. Um, that's my opinion anyway. So electrical gadgets, probably best kept to a minimum. Anything with a screen really should not be in your bedroom. Exceptions for me would be my Lumi body clock and this is a really nice little gadget actually. It, it wasn't cheap but um, I do think it's good. It's an alarm but it starts to light up half an hour before the alarm goes off which in our very dark winters here in England um, is perfect because I hate getting up in the dark. I really struggle and I just feel like it's the middle of the night and I just can't quite function and there's just, oh, I need to get over myself, I know. But these little things like making sure there's a little bit of light just make all the difference. Um, it really comes into its own during dark mornings. Um, something else I do keep in my room is my phone. 
Um, but I promise you it's, it is for a good reason. Um, because I've got Calm. Now, I don't know if you've heard of Calm, but it's an app. And um, it has, it's a sort of mindfulness app. You, you do pay for the year. And this is obviously not sponsored because no one's listening to it. Um, I paid £36 for a year's subscription and it's just coming up for renewal. It might be a bit more than that now, I'm not too sure. But I would really highly recommend it. I do the Daily Calm, which is a 10-minute meditation most days. Um, but 99 days out of 100, I will listen to a sleep story before I drift off to sleep. And they are just actual magic. I always go for a non-fiction. There are some narrators who I really like on there, so I'll usually gravitate towards those. I never remember the end or often the middle of most of these stories. They just distract you enough so that you can just let go and drift off really quickly. It's just a really quick way to fall asleep if you're struggling. So do consider that Calm app. Um, if you already have it, let me know your thoughts and get in touch with me on Twitter. Um, yeah, highly recommended. You can start with a seven day free trial if you're not sure about it, but I'm going to stop trying to sell it to you now because, well, you know, try it if you want to. It's amazing. So the next thing to think about is your nighttime routine. What, what are you doing in those hours before, before you go to bed? Um, and are they having an effect on your sleep quality that night? Because a good night's sleep really starts with that routine, with how effectively you're winding down for bed that night. So my ideal routine, and as a musician, like this does not happen every day. Often I've got gigs until late or I'm traveling, driving back from somewhere. But this is an ideal scenario that I'm going to describe when I've maybe been working from home or something. So on a good day, I'll switch off all my screens about an hour before I plan to hit the hay. So no Netflix, as little phone time as possible. I've got an Apple Watch, I'll take that off, put it on charge. Um, I'll go upstairs, read a chapter of my book. I'm currently reading How Yoga Works, which is a recommendation from my mum and it's excellent. So I'll read a chapter of that and I'll write in my journal to just kind of get my thoughts out. Take my time brushing my teeth and washing my face and just feeling like I'm winding down for the day. Work is done. It's time for rest. I want to be restful and relaxed. I have that uh, lavender body lotion from Lush. It's called Sleepy. I'll put that on as lavender is supposed to be calming. Um get into bed, pop on a sleep story, and fingers crossed, I should sleep all right that night. Just to add to that, um, a good nighttime routine often involves, well it always involves, having had zero caffeine after midday, and no alcohol at all. Both substances seriously mess up your sleep, and I'm really talking from personal experience here. Um, one occasion that sticks out for me is... <laughs> is the night before my 30th birthday. So I stayed at a spa with my mum and two sisters the night before my 30th birthday. And I was drinking at this point and um, I saw espresso martini on the menu. <gasps> An espresso martini is like my favourite cocktail. Um, but it was quite late, it was after dinner and I thought, oh, it's my birthday tomorrow, I'll just have one. 
and I did not sleep for the whole night. And this is the night before my birthday. And if there's ever a day when I want to feel fresh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, <laughs> it's my 30th. So that was a bit of a shame. I was relieved when my alarm went off. Let's just put it that way. Because I'd laid awake all night. I tried the sleep story. I found it very interesting. I just listened to the whole thing. And um, there was just too much caffeine in my system. And caffeine stays in your system for absolutely ages. So I would strongly recommend having that midday cut-off point after which you're not going to drink any more coffee. I'm not talking absolutely zero caffeine. Sometimes I'll have a decaf in the afternoon or some chocolate, both of which do still contain a bit of caffeine. Um, but my black coffee, like that's, that's definitely a breakfast thing, that's a morning thing, and that's it. And I have noticed an improvement in my sleep since I've started living by that rule. And just to briefly talk about the alcohol thing... So this may be the subject of a whole podcast of its own. I'm not too sure. Uh, let me know if you want me to chat more about this. Um, in 2018, I did Dry January and I loved it so much. I saved loads of money and I just decided to carry on uh, not drinking until I think around the time of my birthday, I just decided that I'm turning 30. I want to have a few drinks to celebrate. And it was Christmas coming up as well, so I did have a few drinks over November, December. But it does affect me, like, I was very aware of how expensive it is to drink, um, how it affects my sleep, how it affects my skin, and how, actually, I don't really enjoy the taste of it that much, unless it is something really special, like um, an espresso martini. So I thought... How much is this really adding to my life? Um, so at the start of the year, I thought, right, I'm just going to give it up again. <laughs> uh, because I know I can do it. I know it's great for your health. And that's kind of what this podcast is all about, isn't it? Being the healthiest version of ourselves. Um, so yeah, that's the choice that I've made. I'm not saying never, ever, ever. I did have a glass of Prosecco on my mum's birthday. And I'm getting married in August. I'm going to be having some Prosecco on that day as well. But apart from that, the dry life is the life for me at the moment. That's what's working really well for me. Perhaps you're alcohol-free as well. Let me know. I would love to like find more people in the sober club. Um, and we can chat about how great it is to be on the dry life. Also tell me, what's your nighttime routine? Do you have, do you have things that you like to do as you're getting ready for bed to help you sort of calm down and forget about work? One more thing to mention, even if you have a stellar nighttime routine, if you're not allowing yourself enough sleep, you're not going to feel much better. So in your heart of hearts, we know, don't we, if we're sleeping enough um, or if we're trying to kid ourselves that we don't need as much as we actually do. Because all we see in the media is that magical eight hours of sleep that we all need. And it's just simply not true for everyone. I've known people that thrive on just six or seven hours. That sounds absolutely crazy to me. That is not me at all. And usually when people say that, I think they're kidding themselves. But actually, I do know these people. And um, six hours is fine. And they're just running on all cylinders all the time. Even on six hours of sleep. I just... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm jealous, let's be honest. I'm jealous that 
that they can function on six hours. Unfortunately for me, if I get anything less than eight and a half to nine hours on a regular basis, I do start to feel seriously drained. Um, but experiment and find what works for you. I like to use the bedtime function on my iPhone alarm app. Um, so you can key in how much sleep you like to get, what time you need to get up, and it'll give you a little reminder when you need to be going to bed, um, which is very nice, isn't it? It's very helpful. Although it shocks me how early I need to go to bed if I actually want to feel like a human being the following day. Um, but never mind, I'm honouring my needs and that's the whole idea. And the idea as well, I think, is if you're having good quality sleep most of the time, then on the few occasions where work gets in the way or if something bad happens and you can't get that full sleep, you're going to recover much quicker if you have those habits and systems in place for the following night so you can get right back on your normal schedule and your body is just going to thank you for it big time. Okay, so the system I'm going to trial for the next week or just moving forward in general, I'm going to start getting ready for bed at 9pm um, and the aim is to get into bed and start going to sleep at 10 and set my alarm for 7. So there's my 9 hours, 10pm till 7am. Boom. Uh, I'll let you know how I get on next week. I am going on tour with my quartet and things always get a little crazy. Uh, just to give you an example, there's one night where we have an evening concert in Carnarvon in North Wales and then the following day we've got an afternoon concert up in Ayr in Scotland. So Spoiler alert, I'm not going to be getting enough sleep that night, but <laughs> after the tour, I'll update you and let you know how it's gone, if you're interested to hear it. So where possible, that's going to be my schedule. Get ready for bed at nine, get into bed at ten, get up at seven. Okay, so where possible, that's going to be my schedule. Having the same time to go to bed and get up every day increases your sleep quality massively. Your body wants you to honour its circadian rhythms. And I've read a really fascinating book about this. Um, I can find it and tell you about it if you like, if you're interested. I can talk more about circadian rhythms in another podcast. Um, it's really fascinating how our bodies just love to live by these rhythms that have, seem to have evolved. And it's just, um, it's how we thrive, basically. So, let me also say another few things about having a really good sleep quality habit. Do not work in your bedroom. This hasn't always been possible for me. I used to have my desk literally in my room and I could just like roll out of bed, sit at my desk and start working. Um, but it's a much better idea if you have your own separate office. Luckily for Tim and I, we feel very blessed. We have a spare room in our house that is the office. That's where I am right now. Um, and I know it's tempting when you're working from home, you can just kind of get your laptop and sit in bed with a coffee and do some emails. And um, if that works for you, that's fine. But I do think it's best if your bed is a restful place of sleep. The last thing you want is for your brain to associate your bed or your bedroom with work. That's really not going to help you sleep. Um, it's not going to let your mind kind of switch off properly. And the times when I do emails and admin in bed, it's never good admin. I'll make silly mistakes. Um, I just don't get as much done if I'm actually sitting in the office and I'm focused on 
doing one thing at a time, like we mentioned last week. Um, also, I'm going to say, I'm going to say don't work in your last hour before screen's off. Um, I just think we should, we should all just take a bit more time to switch off from work. It's so difficult when you're a freelancer. I, I get it. I'm there. I'm there every day. <laughs> we're doing what we love. We're doing what we're passionate about. And it's easy to just keep going and going and going and going. But that is the way to burn yourself out. So I would strongly suggest if you're feeling burned out, feeling like you're not sleeping well, just do something else in that last hour to take your mind off emails, admin, actually doing your work, you know, worrying about money or clients or, you know, anything like that. Just if there's something on Netflix you want to watch or just have a chat with your other half or, you know, you get what I'm saying, don't you? Just don't, don't do any work in that last hour. That's, that's kind of home time, isn't it? And, um, I often used to wish that I had an office job that I could just go to. And then at five o'clock you clock out and you just don't think about work anymore for the rest of the day. Um, I know it's not as simple as that these days with emails and things, but we can try and recreate that by just having some time separate from work in the evening to let the brain and the mind start to calm down. Okay, so we're reaching the conclusion of today's podcast. Um, just a few final thoughts, really. Remember why we're doing all this, why we're thinking about our nighttime routine, why we're thinking about following your circadian rhythm and getting that sleep quality. We all want to live our most productive, exciting and, let's face it, profitable freelance life. And I feel like sleeping right is the first step. It's laying that foundation to have a good day the following day and the days that follow. So that's about it for today, you guys. Thank you so much again for listening. I'm so excited about this podcast and just really digging into these topics with you. And if it does take off, I'm going to think about maybe getting some pals on here for a little interview because being a freelancer, I know lots of other freelancers and we can all learn from each other. I can learn what works for them, how they try and keep a healthy lifestyle and stay on top of everything. Um, and I just think that would be really cool and exciting. So tell me, have you heard anything today that you might try yourself? Uh, what's your ideal nighttime routine? What are you doing now if you think you've got it down, if you're sleeping really well? What do you think the reason is for that? Because it's not always easy in today's world of screens and social media, etc. and constant distractions. So you can contact me on Twitter as always. I'm at Harpist Angelina. I'll be giving Twitter shout outs in future episodes. So be sure to reach out and say hi. Um, I mentioned last week that we need a squad name and we do um, and I think I've got it this time hashtag soul traders that's soul with, an, with a u as in s-o-u-l traders yeah I loved the idea of soul sisters I really did but I don't want to leave out my gentleman listeners okay so this is something we can all use we are soul traders at the end of the day aren't we so Use the hashtag, get in touch. I would love to hear that. So that's all from me today. I'll catch up with you next Sunday for another dose of Soul Trader. 
The Holistic Approach to Freelancing.